I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are continuing our look at Chambara film, or samurai movies, with 1966's The Sword of Doom, directed by Kihachi Akimoto and starring Tetsuya Nakadai. We're, we're, we'll get into it a little bit, but yeah, this is this is a weird one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting the movie to be as I wasn't expecting to get as weird as, as it does in this, which I kind of like. Uh, yeah, I alluded to that last episode. Yeah, just a super unique movie, and but definitely upholding that same level of quality, you know, cinematography, directing, blocking, staging wise, um, just a beautiful looking movie, really contemplative. But um, yeah, it's probably the most full on like anti-hero film that I think we've covered on the yeah. podcast. Oh, oh, 100%. I was even I was thinking that this movie feels We'll get into some of the shots in particular. It feels very film noir. Like, yeah, totally. Like yeah. this, it feels very like, you know, a haunted person haunted by their past that's like takes it out on everyone and, and is like, you know, kind of descending into madness. Right. Yeah, and it's just really yeah. interesting, like what the film focuses on. It's so weird, but it reminds me a lot of Sweeney Todd, the Sondheim musical. Oh, in that okay. There's like this central... Like the protagonist is actually sort of the villain, but mm-hmm. like there are constellations around that protagonist, like these sort of innocent heroes that you are rooting for, even though your attention isn't really on them. Um, but yeah, boy, this this movie definitely stayed with me. I actually, the comparison that I kept going back to, and I think it's a simple comparison, but um, have you guys ever seen American Psycho? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept going back to that and kept thinking about that. And I mean, I, I hold this film way higher than American Psycho, but I think American <laughs> Psycho is dumb fun. And uh, I think that there are uh, some some things you can connect between the two films. So uh, the, the Sword of Doom, uh, it, it's called Dai Bosatsu Toge, which means the Great Bodhisattva Pass. And um, it was like a novel that kind of was very popular in Japanese culture for a long time and actually it was not completed the the author Kaizan Nakazato passed away before he could complete it and this film takes a slice from that uh work and uh adapts it and it had already been adapted a couple of times before this but I feel like this is kind of one of the more iconic forms of this story and uh we got to talk about Tatsuya Nakadai's role as the lead in this film and you said yeah he's an anti-hero and here you see this man this man with this kind of psychotic blank face throughout the movie and uh you're just mm-hmm. basically taken through this spiral that he's just going down and uh someone that has honestly uh, no redeeming qualities outside of his exceptional skills with the sword so and it's um, the kind of thing where he's fascinating but you're right it's like there's you don't really like him but you can't look away yeah 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 and i i I would say that this isn't the typical chambara film but i feel like 
having this set in this uh, era, you know, the Jidai Geki, and having his sword skill be, be such an important part of his character, and how that basically takes him through this path to hell, it... Uh, I, I really wanted us to talk about it. We could have done, because, I mean, obviously, uh, Kurosawa is what people think of. And with Kurosawa, you think of Toshiro Mifune and uh, Tatsuya Nakadai. And there's other films that we could have covered. We we talked about Yojimbo before, and we've mentioned Seven Samurai. And, I mean, I'm surely eventually we'll probably talk about that in an episode. But I thought that this would be a much more interesting uh, subject for an episode. And there's also, I don't know how many of these films you've seen, but um, uh, Harakiri is another film that I think is mm-hmm. amazing. That, that movie is so good. And... Uh, in a similar way it's not directly like a chambara film but the role of the samurai and that lifestyle and it existing in this social culture uh this classist system uh plays a really strong part and i thought that um tatsuya nakadai as an actor he he would always gravitate towards these roles and actually i found out that his um his first on-screen role ever was in seven samurai he plays an extra in the movie and he had a little funny yeah there's a really interesting uh interview and uh we'll share that with the episode but he's talking about how he all he had to do was basically walk across the set and uh they were criticizing his walk. He wasn't walking like a samurai he wasn't carrying himself in the right way so the actually he caused the the filming to be delayed for quite some time like something like <laughs> wow. a whole afternoon and he was so embarrassed by this that something like six years later when uh kurosawa and his crew came to him for the role in yojimbo he said he turned it down two times because he was so embarrassed about what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, that's really interesting and and um i also watched the film black river which is um uh, tatsuya nakadai's first major role and he uh plays a, a character named joe the killer who's a yakuza and uh i feel like there's a lot of similarities in how he handles that uh this character ryunosuke in uh sort of doom to his character in uh black river he's very cold he he actually handles relationships in a similar way without saying what happens. You can kind of know, like you guys knowing what happens in this film, right. you can understand how he handles women in that movie. Mm. And um, not well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that movie's like kind of like a love triangle where he's one of the facets of that love triangle. So that kind of tells you how horrible he is in that movie. But it's, oh, I mean, he's, he's got this magnetism. And uh, when you see him on screen, you just can't help but just fixate on even when he isn't saying anything. And in this Mm -hmm. movie, there are many times where he doesn't say anything. He completely expresses himself through his Mm -hmm. eyes and maybe like the tiniest of twitches in his mouth. And that kind of just tells you, you can see the gears in his brain working like how, how can I make things worse in this movie (laughs) well and there's that thing i mean like just with so many screen actors where the camera just loves him and there's just something Mm -hmm. fascinating about that silhouette i don't know he 
he even feels like he could be like an inspiration for a lot of early like anime characters, even just his bearing, the way he kind of kind of commands the screen. But, yeah, the the twisted villains that you see in anime, they have these psychotic looks on their faces. I can totally see that being inspired by these types of roles. Yeah, there are these moments, uh not not many of them, but where he dips into this almost kind of mania and oh dude, it's <laughs> so scary like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh as I was saying, it's like a it's like a descent cuz he's not it's not like he's a normal person and becomes crazy. He's kind of just he's already just kind of a, a sociopath and then just slowly becomes completely psychotic mm-hmm. until he's uh, but but he he sim- but he kind of knows that there's something wrong with him because like he's like every time his life gets worse and worse he gets more and more into alcohol and and by the end of it he's like I kind of want to die but I can't let myself just die because yeah. I'm too good at killing everyone else. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Mm-hmm. I I also wanted to mention that um uh Last, you know, we talked about Zatoichi and Shintaro Katsu. There's kind of an infamous story about him working with Kurosawa. And he was going to play the main role in Kagemusha, but he actually was only there for one day. And Katsu (laughs) and uh, Kurosawa had such a falling out that the production was halted and he left the film. Uh, Tatsuya Nakadai was actually cast to replace him so one of the things in that interview that he mentions is that they were friends actually him and Gatsu so he felt I mean one a lot of pressure to live up to whatever he would have brought to that role and um, it's funny he said he was calling Shintaro Katsu over and over and he wouldn't return his calls (laughs) I thought that was pretty pretty funny it doesn't sound like their friendship was ended because of this but Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of an interesting uh, fact to me because I didn't know about that until I started doing homework for Zatoichi Mm -hmm. it's also worth mentioning that Tatsuya Nakadai is still with us he is uh, 88 years old and yeah. and still does stuff like he's still been in movies within the past few years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, he had he was in a Ghibli film. Which one was it? I think it was uh, Princess Kaguya. Oh. He he yes he played he a role in, in that. Yes. Oh wow! Awesome. Yeah, he's he's got a handful of voice roles in animation, and that's that's mm-hmm. one of them. <laughs> well, let's dive into the movie itself. But first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. Along the Great Bodhisattva Pass, a heinous act sets the stage. A bloodstained prop wielded by a cruel man. Evil mind, evil sword. Ryunosuke Sukue, formerly of the Kogen Itoryu, carves a violent path through this world, and a spotlight shines on the souls he touches. Men of honor trained to stand up to this demon, but can they exact justice before the shadows of the past catch up to him? Kihachi Akimoto adapts this slice of Kaizen Nakamoto's long-running saga. Tatsuya Nakadai and Toshiro Mifune star in... The Sword of Doom. So the movie starts off, appropriately enough, in that uh, great Budavista pass where... Uh, the the original title comes from, and I love that within the the first five minutes of the movie, it's like, oh, here's our uh, 
not hero, our our protagonist, <laughs> our the main focus of the movie comes up and immediately kills a hopeless old man. Yeah, it's man. almost like he interrupts like a story that could have been. Um, yeah. And like a movie that could have been. And it's really, oh man, yeah, this opening is yeah, super shocking. It it feels like, because um, uh, it starts with this this old man and, and his uh, granddaughter, and it feels like if this was a Hong Kong movie, the granddaughter would be the main character in the movie who trains up to... to <laughs> defeat the the defeat yeah the, like the full yeah fueled by vengeance like, and everything yeah and every, everything's kind of set up for that but that is that is not where the movie goes sure yeah it's like um, these, these characters and some of the other more like moral characters in the movie they're kind of this frame around like our twisted protagonist mm-hmm. and i yeah i really love how um this ends up kind of coming back uh, sort of full circle as the story progresses Mm-hmm. Yeah, as the film goes on, he, in his own ways, he touches the lives of all of these people. And even though they don't directly bring out, like, his demise, them being a part of his life in different ways is the main factor that kind of mm-hmm. drives him towards that uh, dark end. <laughs> yeah, the the young woman we meet here is um, Omatsu, and uh, she becomes kind of kind of kind of like the second or third main character i guess in the movie but we but we kind of follow her life and the fallout from from this incident um and she meets up with uh the this man who who briefly runs into our uh rinosuke character and is able to kind of escape his (laughs) escape his uh, attack um it becomes her her uncle is which that they they translate as his name is uh, shishibe Oh, he's great. I, I felt so bad, like when they reemerge later in the movie. I didn't catch right away, like who they were. I didn't either. Um, but oh, I, I kind of enjoyed it. That like it, it had the the effect of like a twist, kind of. Um, mm, sure, but sure. I'm I'm sure that was not <laughs> the yeah. intention. I do. No, feel that's like... a lot of it's just because I wasn't paying. I I should have been paying very close attention from minute one or or minute zero <laughs> instead of instead of from minute five or so because i was very confused and like okay so who are these guys and then as the movie went on I'm like oh it's those guys they're yeah. important everybody <laughs> that yeah basically everybody that has like a spoken line is important to uh ryunosuke in some way if it's negative or positive but uh, i yeah i think it's it's pretty cool how I don't know. I, I would say that maybe it rewards multiple watchings. It's the movie is two hours long, but I do feel like it's paced pretty well for the most part. And um, yeah. I feel like all the performances are really strong. Even like, you know, we see shortly after this uh, Ryunosuke coming back home and he speaks with his 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 father who's bedridden and and sickly. Uh, he only has a couple of scenes, really, but this first scene with him talking to Ryunosuke is so powerful and it really frames Ryunosuke. It sets him up for the rest of the movie. Not only his character, but his sword skills. He he talks about how cruel his son is and how he he basically invites his opponents to be defeated. And what you see later mm-hmm. on is he has like an exceptional sword style that is... Uh, very shocking to everybody who sees it and but he's so effective with it and he he talks about how like 
I mean, I actually wrote the quote. He says, I don't, under, I don't fully understand your sword form. You draw out your opponent. Then, in an unguarded moment, you cruelly... Dot, dot, dot. And the cruelty doesn't stop with your sword. It seems to have seeped into your mind and body. Yeah. I think that's so, <laughs> so cool. So cool. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And what you find out is that he's set up to have a duel. There's like a tournament the next day. The other thing I would say is that even though he shows no emotions, I, I'm really impressed in the confidence. You know, you think of confidence in movies and you think of like a hero, <laughs> but this is like the totally, the, the total mm-hmm. opposite of that. The dude is extremely confident, but that's a weapon in itself. He's, he's terrifying because of that confidence. Right. So now we get uh, Friar, the, probably the roughest uh, scene in this movie where um escape meets up with this woman and she says that she's the she's the wife or the sister um, yeah. that's that's what she does in the movie um of of the the person that he's going to be fighting and and basically says that she's like begging him to to take a fall um and to to lose the match and he in in flowerier language basically says if you sleep with me then I'll right. throw the fight right um and, and yeah, and she does, and it's very really rough. traumatic scene at like this, yeah. uh, at this wind like mill. It's like a mill. Yeah, it's yeah. like a water mill. And yeah. there's like a this man who works at the mill who works for his family, and oh, it's really sad. He's yeah, he's like giving uh, shelter to um wait Ohama, that's her name, right? Right, Ohama. Yes, um, Ohama is the woman's name. And then yeah, when he. Uh, when he shows up mm-hmm. and he's yeah dude's not strong enough to stand up to him and he leaves and yeah, yeah really powerfully um shot scene mm-hmm. uh yeah very difficult to watch but it's you know it like it kind of in that hitchcockian way it's it's more oh, yeah. about what's implied than um mm-hmm. yeah than it really being uh, nothing grotesque nothing explicit but but there is a uh i wrote down a, a not so subtle shot of like the like the first like wrapping yeah. around her gets thrown onto the mill and there's the not so subtle shot of the mill like pounding down into the into the part of the robe right right um, which that's that's hitchcockian too in a way yeah totally yeah and the fact that this uh, scene doesn't have much in the way of a musical score all you mm-hmm. hear is that kind of the percussion yeah. the pistons throughout the whole scene And whenever the act does happen, you don't really hear it, and the camera pulls away from it. All yeah. you hear is like the knocking from the the mill pistons. Yeah, and the that kind of just goes by. Probably my favorite part of this whole movie is like is the sound. Like the sound design is incredible all throughout yeah. the movie. Like the music is done in just in perfect ways. The sound effects are done in perfect ways. Silence is done in perfect ways. Yeah. Um. And it kind of blends in. It's a thing I do that's a lot of scores do that I love, where it kind of blends the line between being score and being sound effects. Right. Where like you're almost uh, in a scene we're gonna see in just a minute, where you're not sure if it's sound that's actually happening in it, and then you realize it's it's just like percussion essentially. Mm. So 
uh, after this horrible atrocity, then Ohama comes back home and finds out that her husband knows what happened and is going to get divorced from her. Yeah. yeah. You know, she, basically, like, he he's sort of saying, like, he prepared himself for death. Um, yeah. And now he's, like, so shamed by this. And mm-hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's funny. So, like, there are the, you know, characters from the opening that we would maybe describe as, like, the innocence or whatever. But, yeah, Ohama kind of, she sort of represents, like, I think kind of the sort of the fallen or like the downtrodden, the kind of um, I I won't say irredeemable, but it's like she there's just something tragic to her character. Like Mm -hmm. um, totally. Yeah. She's now on this kind of um, well, unstoppable course towards like her own misery. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's really rough. And all of this also kind of goes in line with the, you know, the, the formalities of this culture. So mm-hmm. uh, she she knows her husband and she knows that he thinks that he will lose. And the, the basic thing is whoever wins this match will basically become the inheritor of this sword style, the Kogen Itoryu style. And um, they know that Ryunosuke is like the expert and if he wins, then basically shame to his family, uh, Bunojo, the, the opponent's family, and uh, could very well lead to the death of his family. So that's why she's willing to go to such an extreme to make sure he wins. But the way that this all plays out is, is yeah, incredibly tragic and actually yeah sets the stage for just a, a domino effect of tragedy throughout the rest of the movie. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Like the domino, yeah. Once the dominoes start, like mm-hmm. it can't be stopped. So we have this uh, tournament, and actually, this is pretty cool to me. So you get to see all of these, uh, you know, pro like swordsmen talking shop. <laughs> You've got a a whole group of uh, Ronin or, or samurai in this audience watching match after match, and you you get a little taste of them debating on oh. Uh, he this man obviously won because he struck at this moment and then you get somebody else chiming like well no the other guy won because i saw that it was just his strike was just an inch away from his shoulder so that's kind of cool and the other thing i noticed is that um well like i said that anybody with a spoken line you can kind of bet that they're important to the movie (laughs) at some point so one of the men that you see in the crowd his name is Kondo Isami. And uh, actually, just for kicks, I thought, you know what? I'm going to look this up. And actually, Kondo Isami was a, a actual real-life historical character. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, he was... Okay, uh, I was wondering. Yeah. Because it seemed weird that he had a name and they <laughs> talked about him, but he isn't really in the movie. <laughs> yeah, sure. So this man actually would become... Uh, a famous commander of the Shinsengumi, which was actually kind of like a a police force during this era. Mm. And uh, you hear about the Shinsengumi in like various like samurai fiction or anime. Yeah. You'll see them in in anime mm. too. They usually have like kind of a blue uh, uh, blue attire, so either light blue with dark blue trimming, and they usually have a head white headband on. And uh, yeah, this man. He only shows up here, but then he plays kind of a major factor at the very end of the movie. And yeah, that 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 raises a good point that uh, this is very much historical fiction. There's a lot of there's a, a couple of characters who uh, who kind of 
are are real life or based on real life people like the person that he's talking to the crowd who is uh uh serizawa and serizawa kamo and that is kind of kind of ryunosuke's like kind of friend in a way like he's yeah. he, they're kind of they're kind of buds throughout the rest of the movie and and work together yeah i would um, say they're like uh professional partners yeah or something like that you know they're kind of yeah. like uh, street street homies <laughs> yeah. like i'm gonna do this uh, yeah, they, job. they kind of are like out? <laughs> it really is kind of like a kind of like a gang that they end up in and they yeah. kind of just run in the same circles yep this is again this isn't a yakuza movie but it kind of almost is sure. like it's kind of those people who are basically gangsters and and the same cool. kind of like archetypal behaviors that you kind of know in yakuza film um these kind of seedy underbelly kind of uh dealings like hey if if you help me do this thing this will be better for you and even though you know that in the end, it's going to be really bad for everyone. <laughs> you just kind of see it <laughs> yeah. play out. Um, yeah. But this uh, this duel is super cool to me. I, I really love stuff like this, obviously. And uh, mm-hmm. we talked about Chambara films, how the, the choreography isn't like something that we would come to enjoy in like Hong Kong film. But I mm-hmm. think that the little details of the behavior and the, you know, the kind of extreme like high stakes of duels like this right is is really appealing to me so yeah the suspense rather than like the flash yeah yeah totally here we have uh ryunosuke versus uh bunojo utsugi the uh, the the husband and uh now with all of this knowledge between them this what would have been basically a normal duel which with high stakes now has even higher stakes because uh bunojo is fueled by this anger about um mm-hmm. you know his wife being handled by ryunosuke and um right at the beginning of this match when they're just ready at each other the crowd can totally sense how serious this has become mm-hmm. uh they're just standing at the ready facing each other and then there's dead silence and they're just waiting and <laughs> everybody's like this isn't a match. This is a duel. It's pretty, yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. And the judge calls it a draw, but right after, or maybe right before, and that comes a point of contention, Bunojo uh, charges at Rinosuke, and it looks like Rinosuke just kind of, kind of, you know, hits him off to the side. Well, and did you watch the it. special edition, or did you watch the? <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> I was waiting for the moment when we would start to talk about Star Wars stuff in Samurai film because like, you know, obviously yeah. it's such a influence to the lightsaber <laughs> tools, but yeah, yeah. Yep, he was doing cartwheels and flipping it all around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was like a boulder in front of him for no reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then a do back walks in front. It's in really bad CG. Yeah. yeah. The other thing uh, I really I'll, I'll, want... I'll always meant for there to be a do back in <laughs> Japan. <laughs> I think it really oh, no. brings the brings the realism but into the into the into the scene. You know, <laughs> it's been a really long time since we heard some George Lucas on the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Man, there's that one guy that does the. Uh, you've probably seen it on YouTube. He does this amazing George Lucas impression. Oh. Um, I, I'm not sure if I know, and I think they deep fake him. But oh, yeah, oh man, funny. the comedian's name is Josh Robert Thompson. 
if you just search on YouTube for George Lucas deepfake, you'll find probably one of the funnier videos by him. But he's about a bunch of stuff. Nice. Um. Anyways, <laughs> I love how like if you're uh, if you were a man and you were born between like. 1970 and 2000 you probably can do a george lucas impersonation <laughs> like anyways continue so uh, the one thing that i forgot to mention about this is that right at the beginning of this match you get to see ryunosuke using his uh sword style which is very different than what people would come to know where um bunojo has like kind of the normal sword stance or kind of wide-footed stance with your sword kind of pointing at your opponent's head, that's called Seigan no Kamae. That's the normal kind of samurai stance that you would see like uh, Mitsurugi in Soul Calibur, how he oh, stands, yeah. something <laughs> like that. It's a normal stance. Ryunosuke has his own stance, which is like, oh man, I actually wrote this down. It's called uh, Mumyo Otonashi no Kamae. And it, this means like the form without sound or light. And um, he holds cool. his sword down like towards the opponent's ankle and it actually to uh, any trained uh samurai they would see that he's completely open to attack and he has this kind of distant stare like a blank stare that you feel like he's completely aware of what's happening but he's not directly uh paying attention to his opponent and uh this kind of draws the attention of everybody in the crowd they're shocked to see this and it kind of creates this tension in the match and yeah the like you guys said the the judge calls it a draw but right at that moment bunojo attacks and then ryunosuke counters and he flies out of the ring actually pretty dramatic and um Afterwards, the judge says, yes, this was a draw. And then Ryunosuke says, are you not paying attention? As I love, he literally says, are you blind, ref? Yeah. yeah. Like he says, mm-hmm. like, is your, is your vision bad or something like that? Um, but And he reveals that he, he actually quickly, like, slashed him across the face. And we, we see Benojo's dead on the, in the stands. Ryunosuke just kind of just kind of walks away. Yeah. Oh no, I feel like this is the first moment in the movie where we're led to anything kind of approaching sympathy for him, mm-hmm. um, because it's yeah, it's clear that he was all set to you know to to draw the fight, and you know you kind of can't blame him for his instincts or whatever. But mm. yeah, I don't know. I love that the movie doesn't you know, try to push us all the way in the direction of outright sympathy, but it just adds this, this other flavor to the mm. film. That's just like, yeah, I don't know. Super rich. He has these moments where he, he basically cuts directly into like the hard truths of what is happening. And, you know, it's, it's like one of these situations where you like, uh, I don't agree with you, but you are right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he, he calls yeah. it, he's like, yeah, this, he performed an illegal move and I countered it and now he's dead. But this yeah. also draws the ire of all of the rest of the Kogan Itoru yeah. clan. So um, everybody's basically out to get him. And actually the, the cinematography at, towards the end of this scene where it's kind of panning across oh, dude, the audience. So yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, the moment where it cuts to 
Ohama, you know? And actually, the musical cue right there, too, is this kind of like a little bell or something that chimes when they show her. And then it cuts to him making his way down the steps, and then this kind of slow zoom to this long corridor that he's going to be walking through. And Ohama just very slowly appears from behind one of the trees and then you again you hear this little chime and um i i just think it's pretty masterful how the uh cinematography is actually hiroshi murai is the the name of the cinematographer in this film yeah it's definitely worth mentioning yeah and the and ohama shows up there basically saying like i have I have literally nowhere to go. Take me with you. Also, a bunch of people are up ahead. They're going to kill you. <laughs> um, and this is where we get to see kind of his, like, the 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 real shit. Yeah. Like, this is whenever yeah, there's me. this huge, like, this is, I, I, this is becoming, like, my favorite part of these samurai movies is where it's, like, the one guy and there's just this huge crowd of people and he's just effortlessly cutting through all of them. And I love he even says to them, basically, like, no one, none of you should be holding a grudge against me. If the only person that should be mad at me is the brother of the guy that I just killed. Yeah. But everyone else shouldn't have beef that everyone else proceeds to get chopped down by him. And this is the this is the scene I was talking about where you hear like whenever he slashes through a few people and then kind of comes back to center, um, you hear like this this kind of metal clanking sound. Yeah, you're right. You're you're not sure if it's score or yeah. Like, scenery. is that yeah. just the sound of them falling? But it's not. It's something specifically like in the percussion that's hitting every time, and it's it's like accents it perfectly. And the shot's amazing because it's like this this dolly shot from like from one side of this canyon. Yeah, long cut, uh, long sequence mm-hmm. right here. It looks yeah. looks really cool. And he's mm-hmm. he's not doing any. I mean, he's he's holding his sword with one hand and he's countering everybody. You know, I mentioned, I was wondering how the choreography works here. You can really see that they are really playing to his movements. Uh, he's basically reading who's coming at him and one strike, two strikes will kill anybody coming his way. And uh, all the performers here basically are waiting for their turn, but it works really well. I think it looks really cool. And the face he makes after he kills all of them right at the oh very end of the gosh. scene, that is that is 100% crazy anime villain. Yeah. Like, the, they, the exact level of looking simultaneously dead and weird, perversely happy at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's this, this horrible smile. Yeah, perfectly it's, put. It's, it's perfect. We need to pick it up a little bit. Because <laughs> yeah. every scene in this movie I is feel amazing. Like- yeah, I, the the beginning of the movie is much more dense. That's true. But That's um, true. yeah, I think it it really helps to set up the rest of the film. Mm, so yeah. um, basically, what what happens is um, they don't have chapter marks in this movie, but they have these title cards that it's basically like a time jump. Yeah, it tells you where we are in this time. So it starts at 1860, and then it moves now to 1862, and it's framed by like a historical incident. So basically, you're seeing like the kind of shift in government power and by the end of the film you see that Ryunosuke is kind of teaming up with the Shinsengumi and trying to survive in this world but right here you're seeing him talk after 1862 you're seeing that him and Ohama kind of have this life now which is is kind of the first time you see it you're kind of like shocked like wait a second this this woman 
was assaulted she was raped by this man and now she's basically committed to him not only that but now they have a child they don't say that it's his child but you basically assume that um, yeah. you know this is his child and uh Ryunosuke, i mean there's no change in his character he's just as cold as he ever is and uh, he's talking with serizawa and they're talking about basically a hitman job so he's like hey help me out kill this guy he's like all right and um you can see that the toll is taking the toll it's taking on ohama Mm. and the family she's she's pretty cruel to him she's Mm. you know every time they interact it's basically like a domestic argument yeah (laughs) there's like one moment later in the film where it's almost a nice scene where uh (laughs) They almost can relate to each other in a way, but still the end result is just that she despises him and he has yeah. no, he's just so cold. You don't get a sense of yeah. any warmth from their relationship. Yeah. And now he's a drunk too. <laughs> yeah. We see him, we see him pouring Hand a bunch of sake. sake yeah. And, yeah. And sake. Yep. So uh. following, following that, and this gets pretty dramatic. Also, there's a moment where she actually pulls out the sword. Yeah. And you don't. She's get... like threatening to kill the baby <laughs> and herself. Yep. This is rough. And he's like, "Peace out. Like I'm out of here." <laughs> he takes the sword away. Yeah. So as he's strolling, though, he hears uh, a dojo where uh, you've got some uh, practitioners of kendo, and uh, you find out that this is uh, Toshiro Mifune's character, uh, yeah. Toranosuke Shimada. Uh, he runs this school and there's a couple of young men that are practicing and Ryunosuke is uh, enticed by this and he wants to uh, well one he wants to fight (laughs) Shimada immediately you get the sense that he wants to challenge the the head of this school Uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, first and foremost he has to fight one of the students it's a tradition so Mm. he fights this young man who Later on, you find out is the brother of uh, Unojo Utsugi. This is Hyoma. And he seems to be like the star pupil of this school. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a match. And again, you see uh, Ryunosuke's uh, Mumio Otonashi no Kamae, this this very striking style. And um, he wins this match. But uh, Shimada refuses to fight him. He says that, oh, actually, I'm not really good at this style that you were practicing. So (laughs) I'm not going to fight you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he's denied the match. Yeah. And and even though he's definitely a supporting supporting actor in this, Toshiro Mifune is electric. Like every scene he's in, I'm like, I, this guy's amazing. And like, I, I, I was about to say the dumb phrase of I want to see him more, but th- there's about a billion movies where I can see him doing a lot yeah. in, in the yeah. same similar character. Right. Uh, he, but he's so he's probably the, like a lot of the characters in the movie um, are usually pretty irredeemable or at the very least just kind of completely broken. He seems to be the only character, one of the only characters that kind of has it together. And yeah. And has a very consistent, like moral code. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we see that that actually like nearly has an influence. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. On our non-hero. But mm-hmm. yeah, he, Shimada is the polar opposite of Ryunosuke. And yeah. uh, that that kind of yin and yang pull yeah. between the two of them plays out through the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in a in a different movie, the final confrontation would be be between the two of them but it goes a goes a, a weird different direction which i kind of like mm-hmm. but still be cool to see the two of them uh fighting in this 
Yeah, I guess we can talk a little bit about that too because this film was actually planned. Like I said, it's based on an ongoing uh, mm-hmm. serial and it was actually planned to have a, at least one sequel, maybe two sequels. But uh, the way this film plays out, I uh, the audience actually thought it was uh, too violent. <laughs> they didn't really... Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that's fair. There's there's a lot more blood yeah, in this than we've sure. seen in, yeah. in, uh, that we saw in like Zatoichi. And there's yeah. some decapitations and some yeah, yeah. Br- really brutal images there. Mm. So it never actually panned out to be the series that it would become. And that actually kind of factors into how the the movie plays out. They set up some things that don't really pay off. But um, yeah. to me, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I really enjoy the movie and I, I kind of feel like it works. It kind of calls to the madness and the kind of almost like the reality of, you know, nothing ever works out how you plan it to work out. So the fact that you have these little characters that are building up towards something that and in the end you don't actually see play out, I think it kind of works for a type of film like this. So uh, uh, Hayoma is now like kind of muttering to himself going over the, his fight in the, and over, uh, over and over again in his head. Um, and he actually meets up with Omatsu, who we see is now working at like this, uh, I, I guess, I mean, it's not a brothel, but it's like a... Yeah, it's, it seems to be little gray in what it actually yeah. is, because yeah. she's definitely, like, her she's profession like is... She's under the tutelage to... of, yeah. like, yeah. Like a madam-esque kind of figure. Yeah, and it definitely is like a some type of service where she would be... Mm-hmm rented out or something to yeah. to serve other people but not quite a geisha not quite that right. level um but we meet her and we meet um okinu who is like her boss basically um and she meets back up with uh with the uncle with uh who who she says is her uncle but it's the the guy from the beginning that, that met up with her and it's like her uh basically her father father figure now yeah and you kind of get a sense that He's not really on the side of good, but he kind of has good intentions with his relationship. Yeah, Yeah, he he cares about her, but isn't necessarily a good person. (laughs) And it it isn't even like a creepy I care about her either. It's like more that he's looking out for her best intentions. Mm -hmm. Because Okino says that, you know, you're so pretty, you could get sold to this lord and you'd have luxury for the rest of your life. But then when uh, Shichibe hears that, he's like, oh, no, that might not be good because I haven't heard too many good things about this this dude. What's his name? Kamio, I think, is the guy that they're talking about. Yeah. Yep. And um, well, yeah, yeah, it's interesting because he even kind of acknowledges like, you know, I'm not the best dude, but like something about seeing her there crying over a grandfather just like move me so this is like the one good thing i've done so i don't want to mm-hmm. i don't want to see it like go to shit or something yeah yeah <laughs> and then uh following that we get to see the the hit that uh uh serizawa plans with uh Ryunosuke. so he's like mm-hmm. out in the street late at night <laughs> basically and the i will say that there, there's a lot of uh, we've i feel like i've made jokes before if if not on here definitely on uh uh swim fans um about it's just weird how many directors have things about feet and i'm pretty sure the director of this has a thing about feet because uh, but it's not it's not women's feet which is which is good it makes it still a little weird but not quite as as predatorious like a, a tarantino or something um but there are so many shots of people like kicking off their shoes and like close-ups of their feet and um like people move trying to move around silently by 
by not wearing yeah, shoes. Yeah, and there's that gag later with there's like the foot play going on and then yeah. Oh yeah. All oh, right, that's right. You're Good right. point. Nice. Um <laughs> but uh but we see that briefly here where um uh Sarazawa uh, is like creeping up behind this this guy for the hit and he kicks off his shoes and he's like walking in the mud barefoot. And I love that he is like he is not Ryunosuke. He is not uh, this this skilled swift swordsman he just is hacking this guy to death yeah very sloppy mm-hmm. <laughs> strikes too yeah they he makes a point to say that one of the men is just like a scholar so it shouldn't be a problem but mm-hmm. Ryunosuke is basically there to take care of the ace there's like a there's an actual like samurai among the mm-hmm. people they need to kill and uh he gets to jump on him on a boat i also love i mean i feel in chambara films or jidaigeki like scenes in the rain are always really cool and you get a little taste of that right here so they kill him yep he he yep. you know some some street shit <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah, uh, cool. they're in the wrong neighborhood yep and we get this is where we get the the brief scene where they're back at home Rinosuke and and Ohama and they hear this singing outside or not this uh, not singing they hear uh, this uh shakuhachi playing shakuhachi yeah. there you go the the flute it's like a big kind of looks like a big recorder um, playing outside and, and kind of start singing along to it. Yeah, that's an awesome moment because it's and in general, the pace of the film is a little more kind of glacial, which just really fits the images and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they respond to the shakuhachi really kind of slowly. And then, yeah, you start feeling like, oh, I think we're all responding to this thing together. And mm-hmm. then um, the, we hear a singer um and yeah pretty soon ohama starts singing along um and she knows the song it actually it's like a folk song from her from her hometown yeah they actually share some common interest here because he he says that his father played uh the shakuhachi and uh i think he says he wasn't very good at it but he 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 enjoyed it and they have almost a normal conversation but then it leads into uh uh, Hyoma Utsugi, the the younger brother, basically looking for Ryunosuke, and um, Ohama kind of has a sympathetic reaction to the thought of uh, Ryunosuke killing uh, uh, Hyoma, and and then you get Ryunosuke saying like, "Hey, like, do you feel? I would you feel bad if I killed him?" And she kind of. <laughs> backpedals a little bit and says that hey i I depend on you for everything you're the most important person in my life which is like damn (laughs) it's it's pretty messed up (laughs) so now we get to see the the house of kamio the the lord that uh that umatsu is is now working with um and uh sarazo and rinosuke are 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 there kind of plotting and listening to the listening along with the plans yeah you see that sarazawa is kind of he as the movie progresses, he says like, "Hey, if I make this move, I'm gonna get mm-hmm. more power, or I'll be in a good favor with these people." So as the movie progresses, you see him kind of slowly inch his way up in the power rankings mm-hmm. here, and uh, Rinosuke <laughs> yeah. is kind of like uh, buddied up with him, so he kind of follows yeah. suit. And uh, actually, in the scene, you also do see the uh, Isami, the Shinsengumi uh, guy that I talk about. He's among the men here as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, they're plotting to to assassinate someone. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And that Kamio just seems like a super sleazo. 
kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. He's the kind of uh, dude in a movie that you know will get kind of a, a unceremonious death. <laughs> yeah. who's, that, who's that dude in Final Fantasy VII at, like, the big uh, palace who... Yeah, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> in seven? You're talking about like the, the head of Shinra Corporation? No, no, he has like a he's like a scummy Oh the gang boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're yeah, it's totally something like that. Yeah. You know, uh kind of I'll I'll probably edit in the name here. Yeah, nice. Uh <laughs> Don Corneo. Kind of <laughs> living a fat life you know he's got everything he needs and he can do kind of whatever he wants honor doesn't really mean anything to him and Mm -hmm. he's kind of like hey you know just do whatever you want eat some food drink some sake and that actually kind of puts off uh serizawa and his men yeah yeah so um uh as they're leaving uh uh hears somebody singing and it's actually uh uh yo yohachi the, yohachi, the servant yeah. from the beginning of the movie and actually yeah. a li- just a little before that uh ryunosuke was talking to ohama about going back to their town that maybe things aren't as bad and so this kind of links them back to that and yeah. yohachi tells him that uh his father's passed away and basically mm-hmm. lays the blame on him yeah yeah and he i love it because he's he says all this to hyoma uh the the man who's about to kill him um and says the the father says the sooner he dies the sooner people can live in peace again yeah wow yeah that's Um, Pretty yeah, that flashback is brutal. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like both to- both scenes with his father, we just have this locked camera and it's um, almost like this slowly moving painting. It's, mm-hmm. oh man, really powerful. Yeah, and what you find out is that Hyoma is in Shimada's school because, yeah, because of his of father. The father. Yep. Yeah. And he wants him to train to be able to kill him. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. like, wow, the, the way... <laughs> how bad are things you know that your own father wants you to die this way <laughs> mm-hmm. so now uh we get to kind of see the immediate comeuppance of uh uh cameo because uh he's he's like being a real real creep swinging this little sword around at omatsu and you like you're not sure what he's going to do like you're not sure if he's trying to like assault her he's trying to kill her and it's real weird and i love it because it just kind of almost comes out of nowhere this like ninja runs in yeah. and pushes him off to the side and like, and, like grabs steals something, something and runs yeah. out <laughs> um we find out that the 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 ninja is is the the uncle who's kind of kind of coming in to save the day and to steal shit so yeah it's great right. <laughs> so yeah she escapes and then uh um, following that, you get the revelation to uh, uh, Toranosuke Shimada that, uh, oh yeah, one thing we forgot to mention is that when uh, Ryunosuke left town, he's acting under a pseudonym. He's acting under a different name, uh, Ryutaro right. Yoshida. So right. um, Yohachi, the servant, comes to them and tells them everything. Like, hey, this is Ryunosuke, and this is the man that killed Kiyoma's brother and uh, Shimada is 
he's so cool he's just very like hey man like you're gonna have to fight this guy but you're not <laughs> ready but you yeah. know the answer so what i need from you is just to lay low and practice your thrust uh mm-hmm. sugi suri suri uh, uh whatever the term is of this uh, motion so uh whenever you see hyoma throughout the most of the later of the film later <laughs> he's just practicing yeah. this thrust yeah. but it is it's, it's just... pretty cool it is. It's really That's cool because it. it's in this like dark room and he's mm-hmm. yeah. completely alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that's another more great great feet shots of him like stepping forward with the with the with the cut. It's like silent except for the sound of him stabbing. And uh, then we get to pretty much my favorite scene in the whole film mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh uh, yeah i mentioned so good. how rain is cool in samurai mm-hmm. cinema snow is even cooler <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah to get the the yeah you know the no ultimate contest. mood out of this mm-hmm. you've got snow falling and you've got uh Ryunosuke and his his gang well the gang he's operating under um they're going to prepare to perform this hit um there's a short scene with uh, uh, Shichibe before all of this goes down where he has he's in his ninja outfit and he goes to Okino and gets all the information out of her about where Omatsu is. So he's kind of mm-hmm. poised to kind of save her because she's, she's been sold away in Kyoto. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're, they're preparing this hit and there's two uh, palanquins, those kind of taxi <laughs> yeah. uh, like little kind of guys and they it's funny i was trying googling that was really difficult because <laughs> nice. i was like it's a thing where like they're carrying it no it's not a rickshaw because there's not wheels and um apparently they're also called a litter sometimes oh go figure ah. um mm-hmm. but yeah pound palanquin palanquin on i'd say it that's that's usually how you see it described yeah. So um, they uh, they basically round off on the one that they suspect is their their target, but they're incredibly surprised when uh, Shimada is actually <laughs> in there and he bursts out. Oh, so, oh it's so good. Yeah, we've got a gang of maybe twenty guys, all like looking really shady, and then mm. you've got Ryunosuke kind of waiting in the wings, and this slowly turns mm. into an engagement between Ryunosuke and all these men, and he's just supremely cuts them down you've got mm-hmm. limbs being chopped off you've got oh, yeah. blood spraying everywhere and uh yeah also i mean of course this film is in black and white but i it does mm-hmm. something there's something even more powerful about seeing the blood spray in mm-hmm. a black and white film how it's just so pure and so rich in the just yeah, black sure. yeah. on on the screen and even yeah. amidst amidst this snowy scenery it's just beautiful actually and um mm-hmm. but what i what i love here i mean besides seeing toshiro mifune just cut these dudes down <laughs> is that tatsuya nakadai is just an observer of this and yeah. not only that yeah. but he's just mesmerized by the carnage that's happening he sees this yeah, man. he's almost having like a panic attack or something yeah yeah he, he, He's totally frozen. And I, I mentioned American Psycho, and it's reminded me of the business card scene mm. in American Psycho <laughs> when you've got uh, Bateman just looking at this business card, and he's just, it, it seems like something that nobody would really pay attention to, but he's totally destroyed 
by the skill mm -hmm. here. And the same yeah. is happening with Ryunosuke. He sees how formidable this man is and you you don't know if he just he's just tempted or if he's just in fear of if just how how amazing it is but either way it's it's incredibly powerful from his perspective yeah and, and again it, this this feels like in a in the in the in the shimada movie this is the the finale where like they're talking about protecting this this nobleman and then this is like the final the final ruse or whatever that that brings out the bad guy and, mm -hmm. and he cuts them down in a in a different movie. Yeah, and he he even his words are sharp. Shimada says oh, like so good. He, what does he say? Oh, he says the soul is the sword. You know, he yeah. says study Should the soul to ignore the title for the movie. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And he and he calls out. I feel like he calls out Yunosuke. He says, "Evil mind, evil sword." And it, it, it totally makes sense here. And also he he totally puts the deaths of these young men yeah. to the, the guy that's kind of uh, leading them. Mm -hmm. you know he and says he, like these these guys were they could have been great uh samurai but yeah you know, they had to die here because of you yeah <laughs> it's so awesome <laughs> it's so good but yeah he he kills all of them and and you think that rinosuke is going to like do something but he just he just he just can't bring himself to oh and man then, yeah it's almost Shimada more powerful grab, that he does Shimada it. grabs his coat and then just walks away. Yeah. Oh, it's so badass. I love it. And now this basically like, you know, the dominoes yeah. are falling already, but now it's like they're, they're tumbling off a cliff because Ryunosuke is just completely destroyed by this encounter. Mm -hmm. You can see that he's just losing yeah. grip with whatever's happening around him. And this is also where we get our, get kind of the final, <laughs> the final, uh, <laughs> fight i guess with with uh ohama yeah this is so tragic man wow and she basically they get in a, in a fight and and essentially says that uh the the like the only thing that's going to make it so that you lose against um uh Hioma is if i die because that'll just content just completely destroy you and so you should just kill me and he right. does mm -hmm. and yeah kill me here please and they're yeah. like yeah, on, on this little pond, and mm -hmm. and yeah, and she also like finally confesses, like I wish you know none of this would have ever happened. Or, yeah, it's really all your fault. Like mm -hmm. I wish I never met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has very strong words for him before she dies. I what did she say? She said like, "Kill the world." Like you know, just keep killing. That's all. Like you, you oh, like, yeah. You, she's like, just keep killing. I, I thought that and was... she's staring right at the camera. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. haunting. Yeah, her performance is really strong. Uh, what was the actress name? Michio Aratama. She plays mm -hmm. uh, Ohama in this film. And mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's extremely tragic, but it's a very strong performance. Yeah, for sure. And uh, based on a very quick look at her uh, her film credits, I have a feeling she was also a victim of that we see of many of the young actresses in the uh, world of Asian film where 
she did a, a good bit of films um, until and she was in her 30s retirement. and then, and gotcha. then probably and then probably retired to have a kids and, and raise them because uh. um, it because her film she she lived till 2001 but her film credits end at 1969 so oh, okay gotcha but so this goes into kind of the this is like the the finale of the movie everything kind of coming together for what we think will be kind of a final showdown between uh Hyoma and Rinosuke but <laughs> kind of takes a different direction yeah this is now the date is 1863 it says yep. that the Shinsengumi was formed. So now Ryunosuke is kind of riding with the homies. He's got his whole uh, official crew. And it takes us to Kyoto. And uh, you see Shichibe meets Omatsu. And he's he's kind of coming in to like rescue her. But uh, she actually says, like, no, I'm, I'm actually doing okay mm-hmm. over here. I want to yeah. stay. And he's like, oh. But then at the same time, you've got uh, a young samurai that wants to meet with her. And you find out that it's uh Hyoma. and actually it's funny yeah. at first she doesn't she's like acting like she didn't know but then once she mm-hmm. sees it's him she's like oh it's you so it's kind of like a yeah. like a kind of a cute meeting of them but yeah yeah they, totally they begin to see how all of their relationships are uh tied together so um he says that he's here looking for someone and mm-hmm. she says that she's going to be working for uh to serve the Shinsengumi and then he's like oh I'm looking for this man and, and she decides that she's willing to help Hyoma find Rinosuke. so now our, our final the final stage is, is kind of set in this uh, in this room where it's like it's like a it's a square room with like a, another smaller square room kind of inside of it with like these these straw uh, these straw screens not screens blinds all the way around right and this is where we're going to live for the rest of the movie. Yeah, because it's, uh, like it's like a back room of a party that uh, yeah. Serizawa talks to. The, all the Shinsengumi are at this party, and Serizawa tells Ryunosuke that he's like, hey, I need to talk to you, so we're, mm. we're going to meet in this room. So yeah. they're having a little discussion, and actually before they leave, you see that there's some little weird uh, relation stuff going on between the Shinsengumi members. Because um, yeah. they're, they're kind of like, you get the sense that somebody's going to be betrayed. And mm-hmm. um, Serizawa like, comes to uh, Ryunosuke and they're kind of talking about some secret stuff. And then what they find out is that Omatsu is just waiting outside of that room and it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So he's going to yeah. kill her, but then he leaves Omatsu with Ryunosuke. And then yeah. uh, Serizawa leaves. And yeah. um, what you do end up finding out is that uh, this Kondo Isami is among the Shinsengumi and Serizawa kind of wants to kill him to take his place. But it ends up flipping the other way around and Kondo Isami and some of yeah. his Shinsengumi brothers end up killing Serizawa. Well, he's, it seems like he's laying with a woman. But yeah, um, yeah. That, that happens in the middle of the final carnage that we're about to see. So uh, Omatsu and Ryunosuke, she's basically held captive in this room with him. And he says something like, if you move or scream, I'll kill you. Yeah. So just, just wait here. Well, and I like what you put, you pointed out earlier, Matthew, that it's like, this is pretty much where we live till the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's very deftly done. But this final few minutes of the film turns into almost like a theater piece mm. um yeah yeah totally and we're really contained in it and um 
and I don't know. I thought, I thought it was incredibly effective, but we kind of end up leaving the grounded sort of like realism of the rest of the film. And yeah, something about this reminds me of like the end of Sweeney Todd too, without yeah. revealing was, too much, but yeah. it's cool. But seeing how uh, like all of the, I feel like it's not spoilers. So seeing how all of the characters have kind of fit together in a way that. Yeah, totally. And that, and that he's responsible for all this carnage. And so it's mm-hmm. like kind of the final straw. But prior to that, uh, she keeps mentioning that like, oh, I thought I saw something and there's actually this legend of this ghost. Yeah. And so you're really on edge. And then, f- but finally we start to um, like see these shadows and he mm-hmm. like lunges uh, with his sword out and we like start to hear screams. But then yeah. we see it's like, oh, he didn't make contact with anyone and gradually we get to have this kind of like shadow play mm-hmm. and it's yeah really like abstract and yeah. beautiful and um and this yeah, feels very I just felt like, like I was sitting in the theater yeah yeah like you were saying like this is very hitchcock like this feels like someone just going completely losing their mind and like he's he's hearing nothing and he's slashing at all of these straw and like you see these uh, you see the outlines of like all the people that he's killed through the movie, like appear in a silhouette on on the walls behind the straw. It's it's just incredible. It's so good, and it goes on for a really long time too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also surprising because basically once this starts, we're not going to revisit those nope. peripheral characters who, <laughs> in a different movie, could be the heroes. It's, yeah, yeah, really bold choice yeah. there. And it gets and it gets weird too because like at, at a certain point you realize the, the way he's cutting he's not even in like real physical space anymore because he's right, right. there's a shot where he just keeps cutting forward through all these all these screens um, but like it that doesn't make any sense in the reality of the world and it shows he's like completely losing it. But what kind of snaps him into reality is uh, that he's like kind of cuts his way into the party and all these all these guys have their uh, uh, draw their swords out and are are uh, start fighting at him. Yeah, he he already was kind of on uneasy territory with these men. But now that he's basically gone crazy, they they all draw their swords and they're ready to kill him. But mm-hmm. uh like I said, this confidence, this madman with supreme confidence yeah. is basically unstoppable. And he's just slicing through mm-hmm. samurai after samurai here. And it's it's a wild scene. I it when when I first saw it, I was like, I can't believe well one, I can't believe it's yeah, going on yeah. as long as it does. And I can't believe that they're really committing to this and like I mean, I wasn't looking at the timeline on my movie and I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen now as it's playing out. He's killing these guys. He's cutting them down, but he is taking some wounds. And it almost seems like this is like a, I don't know, like a last stand, like a bank robbery thing where it's like, I'm just going to take out as many dudes. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm going to, you know, die standing, you know, at least I'll have, I'll be gripping my sword as I die. And it kind of, leads to that and but it's very surprising where it goes even with this because as he's cutting through these men he's killed maybe like 13 20 guys already and he's it just the camera zooms in tighter and tighter on him and it gives you the freeze frame of the end of the film and you're like whoa (laughs) i was so shocked i couldn't believe it and i was like 
I had to yeah. pause for a moment and just sit, sit and think about it. And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, this is, I mean, where else could you go with this? You're going to mm-hmm. show him die. Like everybody wants yeah. to see him die. You know, yeah. you're following this man doing such hateful things and you just know it's going to lead to his death. But seeing it handled this way, I thought it was mm-hmm. expert. I thought it was really great. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. Yeah. It's, I guess, obviously, they thought there was going to be another movie, which it's insane to think that they thought that the next movie was going to be a, like, chronological sequel to this. Cause, yeah. Because that would insinuate that he doesn't die, because obviously you have to, like, he's he's the draw of the movie. <laughs> but I guess if they knew going forward, I feel like they would have tried to tie up a couple of ends, like the fact that... Uh, Huma is just kind of left off being like, oh, he's here. We're going to fight tomorrow. And then it's just, oh, it's just nothing. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like even if there was just like, it wouldn't have to be a long scene. It would just be, even if it was during this fight and it's still in it with the, the freeze frame. Because during the fight, we get a cutaway to see uh, Sarazawa getting uh, right. getting yep. betrayed. Mm-hmm. If there was just suppose- something that was like, it, even if it was just them being like, you know, man, I, this fight tomorrow is going to be, insane oh wow there's a fire at the at the at the brothel over there and i suppose the one thing that you could say is that it really doesn't take much imagination to kind of for us to complete what would happen with any of those characters that's true but yeah it is i don't know you know it's i kind of walked away from the movie feeling like um like you're saying, Carlos, like it was masterfully done, but not really entirely sure whether it was intentionally masterfully sure. <laughs> done in the way that it it moved me, you know. And, yeah. But that's also one of the things that I think we all love about art is it's like something can emerge in the process even that you didn't intend. Um, I'm all about the ending that leaves you having to think about <laughs> what what could be yeah what just happened you know i know some people want like a definite ending and mm. want that all you know the heroes to win and the villains to right. die well but... sometimes those can feel cheap in a way where it's like uh we've been led to prepare for some kind of solution and then the director or the screenwriter just kind of backs out of it but in this case it does feel like Okay, if he's slain, that feels like the culmination of a story, you know. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that's sort of doom. I definitely I definitely enjoy it. I'm definitely glad I watched it. And it and again, it made a lot more sense when I <laughs> after I went back and, and realized that all oh, there's a lot more connections than I realized at first cuz I'm a dummy. So. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> no, I was dude, I was the same with or or we're both dummies. <laughs> yeah we're dummies together thanks for listening to the podcast <laughs> yeah um, we're professionals <laughs> yeah um but yeah actually thanks for for real thanks for listening and uh, we've actually been getting some nice feedback recently so uh really thank you to anyone that's been kind of reaching out whether it be on the kung fu cinema subreddit or through instagram or twitter whatever you guys feel like uh is your optimal way to kind of let us know how you feel about the podcast hit us up and uh i i really appreciate it even if there's some criticism i'll take that too whatever (laughs) it's it's (laughs) always fun to see when somebody will take that step to connect with the media that they're consuming and me personally i love to do that so um uh, one of the things i did want to share is that um 
this film actually was a recommendation from uh, a friend of mine that I know thanks to video game music podcasts. Uh, he goes by the handle Utopia Nemo online. His name is Nathan. And um, once I told him that I was uh, covering this for the podcast, well, one, I thanked him for the suggestion. Because like I said, I had thought that I saw this movie, but I definitely did not. And when I was thinking about it, I think that I was thinking of uh, Kiru Kill, the other Tetsuya Nakadai film from a little around this time. And it's more of like a, a comedy, but it's also kind of its own little take on Chambara films. And um, It's the same director as well. Yes. Sort of yeah, 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 yeah. And um, when I saw this movie, I was like, whoa, like this is nothing like what I <laughs> thought it would be. Obviously, we've talked about it this episode, but um, I asked him to write a little... Uh, blurb for us regarding his feelings on the movie so uh i'd like to read this uh for you guys right now if you don't mind core go for it yeah awesome all right utopia nemo writes hey guys i'm really excited to hear you talk about one of my favorite japanese films of all time when i first saw sword of doom i was blown away it was and remains unlike any other samurai film i'd seen ostensibly it's about a man who decides to pursue evil to its fullest extent Tatsuya Nakadai's character Ryunosuke outshines even the superlative Toshiro Mifune, and the pacing of the whole film just slowly adds dread with every scene. And of course, who can forget the incredible ending? I've only recently learned that the reason for the abrupt ending was that there, was, there were originally supposed to be two sequels, which of course never happened. That said, I think the ending is powerful as it is. When one has given themselves over so completely to evil, to the point where even the spirits of one's victims return to exact retribution, <laughs> where can one go from there? Take care. Utopia Nemo. Thanks, man. Oh, man. Yeah, thanks yeah, so much. Thanks. That's yeah. so nice. I hope, you, I hope you enjoyed us talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very well put. So That's it for Sword of Doom, guys. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you liked the show and you wanted to talk to us about anything, then you can uh talk to us on facebook instagram and twitter we are at here is the number three podcast um you can leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on and yeah you do all that stuff i'd appreciate it um so carlos what is our training for next week so uh we are continuing and we will be talking about the lone wolf and cub Oh, uh, yes. actually, the first film. Nope. I feel like yeah. we, we'll probably talk a little bit more than just the first film because mm. um, there was it was it was released in the states in a couple of different ways, and one of the ones was called Shogun Assassin, which is kind of like a chopped <laughs> up kind of remix yeah. of the first couple of films. So we'll, we're going to be talking about 1972's Lone Wolf and Cub: Sword of Vengeance. So uh, this is. Yes. This is going to be great. So we're getting into the 70s, 1972, and we're definitely going to be getting into more of an exploitative uh, film of, of, mm -hmm. of Chambara. So this is going to be pretty oh, fun. I'm very excited. Yeah, I know well, that you've been looking forward to this for quite some time. I, I have. <laughs> um, well, until next week, we're taking a look at Lone Wolf and Cub, Sword of Vengeance. I'm Carlos. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. We are the Heroes 3 Rear Training.
Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.